Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic, and that's understanding your living child's grief. I mean, I don't think there's a book like that out there. Yeah, and it's so important because what happens when a child dies is parents are so worried about their surviving kids Mm -hmm. and how they're doing. So this is a a topic near and dear to my heart. Yeah, and to mine, because I was one of those parents worrying how you guys would have turned out. So uh, do you want to introduce our guest, Heidi? I'd love to. So our guest is Xander Sprague. He is one of my favorite siblings out there. A big shout out for him. He's very active in the Compassionate Friends, which is where I think we met. We met at a grief conference. He is an award-winning public speaker and author. And he kind of got into this profession after his bereaved, his sister Lucy was murdered. She was a law student in Chicago. Today, he is a licensed professional clinical counselor. He is the author of two amazing books. Epic begins with One Step Forward and his latest, Why Don't They Cry? Understanding Your Living Child's Grief, which is what we will talk about today, which has recently been number one on Amazon in the new release category and other categories. Welcome to our show, Xander. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Horsley's. <laughs> it's great to have you on, and, and we've known you for a while. You've had quite a journey. I mean, talk about starting out traumatically in, in a lost world, having your sister Lucy murdered by a handyman, locked in inadvertently. Yeah, that's exactly what, what happened. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, certainly nothing that I ever thought I would have to deal with or experience in my life. But there I was in December of 1996, and my older sisters murdered. And, you know, I, I'm like, how do I deal with this? What do I do? And, you know, I, I had great friends and family, and we, I figured my way through it. But interestingly, one of the things that happened was I discovered that there wasn't a lot of help and resources for sibling survivors. So for the last 20 years, I've been out, out here trying to help sibling survivors and raise the awareness for sibling survivors. Because uh, as I think uh, Heidi and I and TCF said, we joke all, all the time, how are your parents? Everyone's asking that, but no one asks how we are. And I'm really on a mission to change that conversation. Mm-hmm. What are your major points on this for parents? Well, I think, you know, I mean, the book comes from lots and lots of parents coming up to me and saying, I, I've lost a son or daughter, but I have other living children. And I never see, I, I don't see them grieve. Why aren't they crying? Mm-hmm. Um, and For me, what I want to do through this book is help parents understand a little more of the sibling survivor experience and help them bridge that gap and start to have those important conversations. Uh, In the book, I'm talking about, uh, again, you know, what siblings go through, 
how lonely it can be as all the attention is on the parents. Uh, I talk about the new family uh, dynamic, the new family order. Um, I was a middle child, but technically I'm the oldest child and, and there are responsibilities and expectations uh, of being the oldest child that I, at 28, all of a sudden I'm like, I, I have stuff that I need to do. Your birth order changed, right? Because Lucy was the oldest and you were the yeah. middle. That's yeah, big. I mean, I, I, I still view myself as being a middle child, but um, depending on your family and, you know, uh, culture and religion, you may find yourself all of a sudden in, in a birth order position that you're unfamiliar with and there's expectations. Parents, uh, a lot of times, uh, for an oldest child, have spent a lot of their time talking to that child about uh, taking care of the younger siblings and uh, their responsibility as they become adults to take care of, of the parents. Lucy was in law school and it, isn't your dad a judge or wasn't your dad a judge? Yeah, my dad, my dad was a sitting judge. So she was really stepping right up there to, you know, be the superstar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, that change in birth order can, can be hard. And all of a sudden parents may not be aware of it, but they're like, oh, but you need to do this. Um, you know, whatever that role may be, uh, planning to take care of the parents or watching out for the siblings. Uh, if there are only two siblings and now you're an only child, there's a whole, and I can't speak to being an only child, but there's a whole new set of expectations. There's a lot of energy coming towards you that as a sibling survivor, you're like, whoa, what's going on? How old is your younger sibling? No, no, is it male or female? It's a, I have a younger sister. She's doing well. You named your book, Why Don't They Cry? Understanding Your Living Child's Grief. Why? So it sounds like, why don't they cry? I know that's a big question that parents have over and over. And I'm guessing that's why you named your book this. And I'm wondering, why don't they cry? I did cry. However, uh, I was, one of the big things was as a, you know, adult child, if that makes sense. I've still I'm always, you know, be, be my the child to, to my parents. Um, I did name the book, Why Don't They Cry? Because I kept getting asked that question. Um, I did not uh, actively grieve in front of my parents because I was so aware of the pain that they were in. And I was, I didn't want to add to um, their, their grieving, right? Mm -hmm. Say, I know you're going through all of this, but I still need you. And an interesting thing happens, I think, um, which is this uh, vicious circle of care is what I call it, which is I saw my parents grieving and I wanted to take care of them. They saw me sad and grieving. They wanted to take care of me. Everyone's trying to take care of everyone else, but no one's taking care of themselves. Yeah. And the grieving never actually starts because you're so busy trying to take I'm trying to take care of Heidi. She's trying to take care of me, whatever. You know, I mean, that's in, and I see that all the time. And I wanted to address that and help parents to understand this vicious circle of caring. And, and Xander, how old were you when your sister died? I was 28. 
which is interesting because I feel like when you're in your 20s, I was 20 when my brother died. I identify, I didn't identify with like older adults, but I wasn't a teenager either. So you're kind of in that young adult weird space. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And and, and I also think, I mean, my, my book is really focusing from people, let's say uh, 15 and up, because I think at 15, you cognitively have the ability to uh, understand um, other people's perspective, observe their grief. And I know for me, it, it, you know, it, it has been and is still hard when I see um, my mom, I mean, my, my father passed away, but seeing my parents be really sad about Lucy and, and grieving about that. My family was very lucky um, that we didn't have to go through what would have been an actual, probably a very public trial uh, because my father being a sitting judge and my sister being in law school, the yeah. man who killed my sister uh, had, was a convicted felon and spent eight of the prior 10 years in Joliet State Prison in Illinois. Um, it probably would have been very public. Um, 10 days after he killed my sister, uh, he hung himself in jail. So okay. we did not have to go through that, that court proceeding. Mm. So you were able to deal, you know, start dealing with the grief and not. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, I'm thankful that we didn't have to go through that. That I think would have been a very uh, torturous um, process. I guess I also had the perspective of with my father being a judge, um, I had a good understanding of the I'll call it the vagaries of our judicial system where you think something should go one way and it doesn't because of maybe a minor technical detail that doesn't happen or something someone says or does something and all of a sudden the whole case gets thrown out. So as a mom of uh, you know bereaved kids, what's your advice to me? Uh, I, my, my advice to, to you and, and to other parents is talk to your kids. Talk about what's going on for you. Ask them how they're doing. It, they, may not, they may not open up to you right away, but I think a lot of times um, if, if as a parent you say, it's okay to come to me. I know that I'm sad. I know that I'm dealing with this but I am also still your parent and I am here for you and you are not overburdening me. I, I, I am here to help you together as a family, we're going to work our way through this. Um, and some days are gonna be better than others. I think share what's going on. Um, I, I remember uh, my father about nine months after Lucy was killed, I asked him, you know, I was just talking to him. I said, you know, how are you? And he goes, you know, I had a bad day today. I put my hand in the pocket of a jacket I hadn't worn and I found a, a matchbook from someplace I'd had lunch with Lucy a year before she died. And it really undid me. But I really appreciated uh, that he was sharing with me uh, because I could relate to those unexpected things that happen in our week or our days or our weeks where we could, where we can have a reminder that just derails us for the day. And it's great that as a family, we could support each other in those moments. 
what is unique and different about having a sibling die because Lucy was murdered? You know, are, are there just unique differences about that or no? Well, you know, it, it's, yes, I think they're absolutely. Um, losing, losing your sibling um, to violence is um, sudden and shocking and you hope that there's nothing unsaid because you never have a chance to talk to that person. Um, but my experience over the years has been, there's not, a, losing a sibling's terrible, but there's good and bad to both to both of both of them. Uh, I didn't have to watch Lucy suffer or anything. Mm -hmm. Someone who has a sibling who has a long-term illness or or gets an illness and you have the you have the opportunity to say all those things and tell them that you love them and goodbye and stuff. But then again, you have to you're watching them not be so well and perhaps go downhill and stuff. And that's got to be very challenging. Um, hearing is that every any way that a sibling dies is horrific it doesn't matter if it's you know however my brother died in a car accident you know what however it is it's still horrific and difficult and I guess the other thing I want to say for you is look you are a really positive person and I'm not just saying that like you're you just emit like positive energy and good stuff and I'm wondering have you always been like that I I, I would like to think that I've always been a positive person. Um, I think I'm just busier now because I'm doing stuff in Lucy's memory. And that's really important to me um, because I think um, the way that we keep keep our, our sibling or our son or daughter alive is, is by honoring their memory. And you both do so much great work in Scott's name. And, you know, it, it, it feels good to do that. Um, I, I, I like to folk, I like to say, I like to focus on the rainbow that was Lucy's life and not just the dot at the end, because um, she had 30 wonderfully bright, brilliant years. And I got to share 28 of those with her. And, um, you know, I think I think that that's what's important. I want to find the good in even the most horrific situations because um, it's just it feels so much better. Um, I love that, Xander. So it sounds like what parents can really do is keep communication open, not realize that if kids aren't crying in front of them, it's because they're trying to be good kids and not cause them any more pain. Yeah. Uh, keep memories alive. And basically reassure kids, hey, we're, we're, we're in this together. We're going to get through this together. Absolutely. And, and, and I think parents have to attend to, to their grief. It's not to ignore your grief and just focus on, on your kids. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the big thing is that communication, um, sharing what's going on for you. If, if As a parent, if you're having a bad day, share it with your kid. You may be surprised that they go, oh, wow, I heard a song and it really undid me. And, and then you can support each other. And, you know, I mean, my experience was my parents were fabulous, but I felt really alone because no one was acknowledging my loss. Wow. 
Well, Xander, thank you so much for being on the show today and for all the wonderful work you do and tell people how they can find your books. And, you know, you have other books like uh, Making Lemonade Out of Lemons and, you know. You I do. I do. Well, you've got a new one, Epic. And I mean, there's just so much. So tell them where to find you. Well, you can find me at xandersprague.com. Uh, you can also go to Amazon and put in Xander Sprague. You'll see all of my books. Um, and, you know, I look forward to being able to help as many people as I can uh, walk down this road. And as they say at the Compassionate Friends, you need not walk alone. Uh, thank you, Xander. That's fabulous. And thank you for all the things that you've done in Lucy's memory. We love you. Thank you so much. I love you all, too. Yes, Xander, I'm with my mother. Thank you for everything you're doing for siblings. It is so far reaching. Thank you for building awareness and thank you for just being the positive, incredible person that you are. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I love the work that you, that you do in the Open Hope Foundation and I look forward to being able to come back and talk to you again about Epic or Making Lemonade or whatever else we, we decide that we should talk about. All right. And we want to thank everybody for joining us on this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.